we're thinking this morning about Catalyst. Uh, Cheryl's joined me. Uh, we are um, beginning to think some. I just wanted you to know that uh, I am becoming a better neighbor. Uh, I hope that you are. And we hope that even today that you would make a decision about neighboring and thinking about your neighbors, uh, deciding. You know, some of, some of the ways that we think about things, especially the way that our culture is. You know, the culture makes, th- makes it feel like that if you're going to really do any signif- anything significant, you have to, you got to be somebody, you got you to have you know, a certain level of skill or a job, you know, just, you know, that you got to be like a celebrity or something to do anything significant. You know, the Bible teaches that God uses just ordinary people like you and I. And that really, the thing that the world really doesn't value very much is just consistency and love and being a a faithful, good neighbor. You know, Jesus encourages us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to put that into practice, to make that. So we're not waiting around just to get funnier or smarter or wealthier, but allowing God to use us in the skills that he has given to us. We've been talking about moving from stranger to acquaintance to relationship. Could we be making some progress in, in the relationships that we have? Looking at uh, the, the block map that we've given you. There's a new, another one in your bulletin this morning that you can hold on to, and we'll, we'll come back to that a little later. But asking you to think about uh, moving away from our fears, our struggles, our excuses even, and thinking about how God wants to impact the future, the future of these people, our neighbors, our future as we are open to him. So this morning, uh, Cheryl and I are talking about some of the key words, some of the key ideas of this whole series, and we're starting thinking about our fears. So we have fear. Um, this, this is just my opinion, but I think that the world has always had scary, crazy, disturbed, dangerous people in it. I just think that the media, now all of a sudden, um, we have that available to us 24 hours a day where we can see that people are uh, unhealthy, that there's something going on, that somebody's disturbed. Uh, so that's just my opinion, but I, I think we have this heightened awareness of how wacko people can be because of the media. Uh, I think it's been that way forever, that people are different and strange and, and not good, <laughs> but I think now we have this heightened awareness of it. So um, what I want us to, to think about this morning about this idea of fear is somebody weird lives on your block because you live there, okay? <laughs> so people are weird. People have stuff about them, idiosyncrasies about them. Um, you are weird. I am weird. He is weird, okay? <laughs> We just have stuff about us that's different, isn't it? We handle things differently. Um, You knew that. If you got married, you knew that immediately because your spouse was weird. They handled stuff at their house weird. You had to figure that out, okay? So um, when we're thinking about about fear, if we can come to this idea uh, where we can kind of work through that and see another person as a person, Remember all those weeks we talked about being out of the box towards another person? So instead of seeing somebody as this object or this obstacle in front of me that they're strange or they're different or maybe they handle things completely different than I do, could I see them as another human being who has similar hopes and dreams and ways to uh, move through their life instead of an object in front of me? So if I can kind of be out of the box about that person, just recognize they're just another person. They do stuff different than I do. Um, The other part of that is... um, I think fear has a way of distorting our perspective. So if I'm fearful towards another person, I'm not necessarily even seeing them clearly because it's distorted my perspective about them. Um, so if I can, if I can um, use my beautiful brain that God gave me, uh, because you know what, we're talking about all this in Art of Neighboring, we're not asking you um, to create an unsafe situation for your family, you know? Use your brain, pay attention, Watch what's happening. Be smart uh, about where you are and positioning yourself and what you're doing. But also recognize that sometimes fear can kind of throw our perspective out of whack. 
because we're nervous and we're concerned, okay? Did you know that when we're called to be Christ-like, when we're called to be Christians, he never said that that would be a safe lifestyle? Do you know that? Um, He never said your number one priority in being Christ-like is to make sure that your kids are safe and that you're safe. That's not at all what he said. In fact, he said sometimes it's going to be downright dangerous. Sometimes it's going to be a little sketchy. So you got to make sure that you're being smart but paying attention to the opportunities that God's bringing your way. Um, So if we can also recognize that fear can lead to isolation. I can get in such a spot where I am so nervous about anybody else that I just stay in my own spot and I end up by myself. My family ends up by themselves because I choose to follow the fear and stay isolated rather than taking a chance that that person could be just pretty similar to me where they have the same hopes and dreams and we could find some common ground. Um, So uh, when I'm thinking about that, when you're looking on your notes there, we've been conditioned to fear our neighbors and for them to fear us. Do you remember as a little kid, your mom saying, do not talk to strangers. Do not take candy from strangers. Do not get in a stranger's vehicle. Do you remember these conversations? We've been conditioned because if I don't know the people that live next door to me, they are strangers to me. So my first inclination, what I've been taught my whole life, what I've been conditioned to do is to stay away from them because I don't know them, okay? Well, Jesus is asking us to do something different. So could we be the people that step up and say, I'm going to break that cycle of fear, and I'm going to be the catalyst for a possible friendship with these people, all right? So fear is, is indeed a real thing. We just got to let the Holy Spirit help us um, to see kind of through and past that. The Bible talks about that. You know, it reminds us that there's a sacredness in our overcoming our fears and being the instrument that God could use in us. Uh, One of the examples of that is in Numbers 13. You know, the book of Numbers, probably not your favorite landing spot, but, um, you know, what has happened there is that the people of God uh, were in bondage in Egypt, and now they've been set free, and we follow their their story as they uh, are set free from Egypt. They go through the Red Sea, that great miracle. They end up at Mount Sinai, and the Ten Commandments uh, is given to Moses. And then as, as you get to the book of Numbers, they show up at a little campsite called Kadesh Barnea, which was about 40 miles across the river to the promised land that they'd been given. You remember they had this promise that God was going to give them this land back 500 years before through Abraham. And so now they're there. It's it's this moment. God has led them right there. So Moses, the Bible tells us they picked out 12 spies who were supposed to go over and see what what the land was like. You know, they weren't military strategists or people that were supposed to make decisions about could they go or not. They wanted to go and and get an idea of what the land was like, what the people were like, what the food was like over there. So the Bible gives us this story in uh, Numbers 13, beginning with verse 26. Here's what it says. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites live in the hill country, and the Canaanites live near the sea along the Jordan. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone up with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. They spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak coming from Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and we looked the same to them. Uh, you can see what's happening there. They, they, come, they come back, and the people see them coming. They're coming. All the spies are back, and they give this report. And the 10 of the 12 are very faithless in their, uh, 
they're planting seeds of fear and doubt and struggle. Um, Caleb comes along and tries to dissuade the people and says, we can certainly do it. You know, he was responding to the God that had sent them and the faith that they were to have in him, not just to the circumstances going on around us. Because if the only thing you ever look at is the circumstances, you'll find plenty of excuses for not doing what God wants you to do. That's true. Right? Yep. We can all find plenty of reasons why not. But he calls us to be people of faith as he's challenging us and encouraging us. They came up with all kinds of reasons. They were, you know, one place there it says, the land devours all the people that are there. Like, come on, really? All the people there are like giants. Well, we know they weren't. They were people of normal size. They just ran across some people that were uh, of a large uh, family that had, there were some giants there. Um, they, they saw the fruit that was there and all that was happening, but they did everything they could to kind of spread a bad report. Like I told Cheryl, we don't need a bad report about neighboring around here. So we're trying to send you a good report about what God has called us to do and the faith he wants us uh, to have. So recognizing that God gives us faith and confidence to overcome our fears. Uh, the New Testament uh, the verse from 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear or timidity, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. Man, if we, could, if we could equate that verse to what God has called us to do, how we could be obedient to him, or maybe what it means to be a good neighbor, that God has not given us as neighbors a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline, not because of who we are, but because of what he desires uh, to offer to all of us. So, um, Fear was the first thing that we felt like a first kind of key idea we wanted to talk about today. We also have had a lot of questions. We, did, we have had a lot of questions. We've had people kind of push back, um, some really positively. I know my neighbors. We have block parties every year. Everything's going fantastic. I know their names. I know everything about them. And then I have these couple families that are, we're great friends with. And then we've had other people, we used the word last week, that just they just said to our face, this is creepy and I'm not doing it. Okay, so we've had the gamut, really, of how people felt about this. So when we're looking at these questions and trying to think through, we thought, well, this morning, let's just hit some of these head on, okay? So the first question, how do I, how do I get from stranger over to acquaintance, over to relationship, because that's such a process. So the first question is, did God really mean it? <laughs> when Jesus said in the great commandment, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength, and... Love your neighbor as yourself. Did he really mean it? And when he did say it, did he mean the literal neighbor? Did he mean the person next door? Isn't that a little bit of a narrow focus to try and move from stranger to acquaintance to relationship with just them? Well, what if he did? What if he really meant yeah. our literal neighbors? You know, because isn't it easy to kind of look for a shortcut or a loophole? Uh, then maybe he's not really talking about that. Because, I mean, he certainly wants us to have concern about the people that he brings into our life, certainly family members, maybe co-workers or people that you're already connected to. You know, it's so easy for us to just want to be neighbors or friends with the people that we're already kind of comfortable with, right? Just nod your head. That'd be mm -hmm. good. Um, you know, he, but he's asking us, what if he's talking about the people that are across the street uh, that we should should we be making a difference in, in their life, encouraging them, having a, the opportunity to have an influence on them? So I, I really believe that God is asking me to be interested in uh, Randy and Pam uh, that live across the street and Julie and Vicki and Jim and... Um, Jim and Vicki that, that live down the street from us, Greg and Amy next door, Linda and Terry uh, that are right there. Is he literally talking about them? I think through this service, I hope that you could begin to think that God is asking me not just to care about somebody that I already know, but what about the people that are across the street? And what's the deal with this block map anyway? Do we, maybe you can help us to think a little bit about uh, this is something we've really been talking about. What's the importance of the block map? Uh, I don't know about you. I'm a good intentions girl. Are you? You have a thought. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send them a note. I'm going to send them a note of encouragement. Sometimes I do it. A lot of times I don't. You know, it seems like this family's been struggling. I'm going to take them over a meal. Sometimes I do it. Sometimes I don't. So I'm kind of a good intentions person. 
until somebody helps to give me a way to take baby steps into action. And that's what this is. This is for it to go from good intentions of, uh, Pastor, you should know the, the names of your neighbor, to having a piece of paper that looks like this, where he actually knows the names of his neighbor. Uh, because it went from good intentions to baby steps, you know, this is a ways from this. Then you got to keep scooching to get to relationship. If we could spread these out on the stage how we, how we would most likely do it, that one would be way over there. Acquaintance would be in the middle. Relationship would be way over there because it takes some time and it takes some effort, takes some intentionality. So could I use this block map? Obviously, my, my block doesn't look like this. I don't know if yours does. It doesn't look exactly like this. But if I could start taking baby steps where instead of just waving to people or walking by and kind of nodding or it's a beautiful day, you know, that kind of thing, you have a pretty dog, whatever, those kinds of things that you say to strangers. If I would start taking baby steps with this, I would start learning their names, a little bit something about them. Where are you from? Where did you grow up? What do you do for a job? Do you work outside the home? What kinds of things interest you in your free time? Then magically, <laughs> the Holy Spirit uses that to, be, to begin to start forming a relationship. Um, the world today would call that an organically grown relationship, which just means it happens naturally. You know what's not going to happen is if I don't know their name at all, I'm not going to become friends with them. It's just not going to happen, right? It doesn't happen. Unless you're five and you're on a playground playing with your new best friend, what's their name? I don't know. That's, that's happens then. It doesn't happen in the adult world. It just doesn't. So until I take some time and use a tool like this, uh, that kind of forces my hand to start learning some information where I can move towards relationship with somebody. Uh, we think that's why the block map happens. It takes your good intentions and puts feet on them so that you have some action behind it. Love that. Um, one of the questions we had too was, is anybody going to come to know Jesus because of my efforts of, sure. of being a good neighbor? Man, I say yes to that, right? People are going to get closer to Jesus because of our influence, our involvement with them. That's the, that's the way the kingdom works, isn't it? You know, it's easy to... I mean, I noticed that there's a lot of people that if they're not connected with a church, that they, they might not have any real close friends that, that know Jesus, right. that are passionate about Christ, that they have as an example. I, I meet tons of people that I'm trying to get to come to church, and a lot of them have had like negative experience with Christians and, and the church. You know, I, wanna, I don't want to continue to feed that. I want to encourage them that it's all right, that this is a safe place, it's a place where they can grow just like for all of us. I also notice that, that a lot of us don't have very many unbelieving friends. You know, the longer you're a Christian, the less relationship that you have a lot of times with people that don't know Christ. I'll just use me for an example. You know, it would be easy for me to hang out with a bunch of church people all the time. But I have to work at it to say I need to be in an environment where I'm meeting other people or people that don't know, don't know Christ. You know, I, I got funny ways of doing all that. I, you know, I show up at the Chamber of Commerce kind of meetings and all this stuff that they do because I just want to meet people in our community. I do funerals, lots and lots of funerals. Uh, well, I, I love to go visit the hospital. You know, yesterday somebody called me and told me about this situation and, um, I hadn't seen these people don't really go to our church, but I, I thought, you know, I just want to go over and be an influence for them. And I went, spent about an hour and a half. You know, I was, you know none of y'all even knew where I was. You know, I, I wasn't out doing anything for, just for the church. I just went over there and visited this man. He was, uh, you know, he, his life may be near the end. I don't know for sure. But uh, he had, uh, he's come here a few times, and he said, uh, I, I, want you to, I want you to do my funeral. And so we had a great conversation about Christ and what was happening in him and how his, you know, his body was getting weaker, but his soul was getting stronger. Um, man, I, I got in my car and I thought, man, this is a good day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, you know, because, you know, we're not looking for being famous or being well known. We just want to be the influence that we can be across the street or in the neighbors. God will use you. 
God will use us, not just when we gather here as a church, but when you're out, whatever your job is, whatever your responsibility, whatever your relationships look like, God is going to draw people closer to Christ. I hope even through this service, you'll see that even clearer of how God wants to speak through you uh, when you're obedient. Now, uh, some of the, one of the questions we had also was, uh, will this work in my neighborhood? Because we had lots of different environments where this was taking place. How about that? That's what do you think? That's such a good question because your neighborhood does probably doesn't look anything like this, maybe doesn't look anything like this. So uh, we live in residential areas where, um, you know, you walk across a side yard and you're at the next house. So looking out my front door, I can see other people's houses. That's kind of where I live, and so it works in my neighborhood. Uh, we have a family here who the whole block is just their family. They live in like a little commune together. It's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> so they all know each other. Uh, they happen to all love Jesus, and it's great. So they're all kind of like, so what, are, what do we do? Because these are all my neighbors. So uh, we were talking to them about who do you, who's your neighbor at work? Who do you share a cubicle with? Who's at the same counter as you? Who do you normally work alongside with maybe the same shift. And so that could be your neighbor. Um, we have a friend, Erica, who lives in an apartment complex. And Erica's an excellent cook. And so uh, she's been making this um, Mexican rice dish that every all of the apartment neighbors love. And so now they're making it almost once a week and all coming together and having dinner together. So it's working in her neighborhood. Uh, her neighborhood just looks really different than mine. Um, uh, Bill, he's on the camera this morning. He and Michelle live out clear in the country. And so it took them a while to get to eight houses because one house is a half mile away, but the next one's three miles away. And so they weren't, they didn't just get on their bike or go for a walk. They actually got in their car and kept going all the different houses to meet all the different folks. And so it's working in their neighborhood, but they had to figure that out, you know. Uh, one of my favorite things that's been happening with all of this is down in Kid Zone. Pastor Brian has kind of redesigned this and talked to the kids about who's, who's near your desk. So some of the kids have said, well, I, we don't have desks in my room. We have tables. And he said, okay, who are your table mates? Who do you share scissors with? Who do you share glue sticks with? And can you get to know those people and find out what's going on in their life? So I love that because it really does work anywhere. Um, Pastor Josh, I know, has talked to some of the students about who's next to you in your locker row. You know, who are, your, who are the, who's the people closest to lockers or who do you go to calculus with every single day and you sit near them? Could they be your neighbor? So you may have to get a little creative, but it does work, you know. So it could be the person living right next to you, the person you work next to every single day. Uh, so be thinking about who are your neighbors, okay, because uh, this will work. Just may have to massage it a little bit, all right? Um, one of the last questions I thought was really, really good because it's happened. Uh, maybe you are over in stranger land with your neighbors and you are killing it. Every Sunday you go home and you're like, I'm making pies and banana bread and I'm going door to door and I'm going to be there because Cheryl said, if you show up with food, they'll open the door and greet you. You know, <laughs> I'm going I'm to do all these different things. So I'm working so hard. I'm so, I'm so focused on this. Boy, I know Jesus called me to do it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it great. What happens if you are not being received well? <laughs> what happens if your neighbors are not reacting positively to this? So what do we do with that? Sure. Well, we didn't... I mean, we weren't trying to say we got this perfect plan. You know, anything we do like this is not going to work perfectly. You know, people will say, uh, well, I'm too busy uh, to do that. Or maybe they won't come, uh, come to your house if you invite them. Or um, maybe they're just a little leery of you. Uh, they are of me. I noticed that. Uh, and I went to it's a door. sketchy. Yeah. <laughs> We went to see this, this guy, Larry, last night, and uh, he was one of the ones we hadn't gotten yet. And so, you know, the, the house kind of looks dark, and I said, I don't know if there's anybody home here. So he rang the bell, and he came, and, you know, he barely opened the door. You know, I, he just kind of peeking out there, you know, and I thought, well, my wife is right here. I wanted to make sure he saw <laughs> that we were together, and we had this little gift. And so um, he, he was okay, but he was a little leery of what was, what was going on there. But he agreed to come to our, to our event next weekend. He even said, what can I bring? And he came up with an idea. So it was awesome, you know. Uh, but people are busy. People are, are not always going to be as responsive. But what we, we are asking God to help us to be obedient, yeah. not that everything goes right every time, right? right? right. You know, we're trying to just obey his call. He asked us to love our neighbors. And if we believe that's the people 
people that are around us, we're trying to, to model that. And we can do that well, recognizing that we have this. And that really, the key issue becomes really this next point for us. I mean, dealing with our fear, knowing that there are going to be questions about it, but getting the right focus. The right focus is so important. Philippians 3, 13 and 14 right there in your notes says, No, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I have not achieved it. I'm not done. I'm not doing everything perfectly. I'm really trying hard, so I'm going to keep making this effort, keep being motivated by what the Holy Spirit's asking me to do. So um, thinking about focus, where's God working? You know, uh, what is the greatest kingdom value uh, for your time and your energy to be able to invest those? So we've got stranger to acquaintance. We've learned people's names. We're moving people down the line. Maybe we're having things like block parties and get-togethers to where we're just be able to spend time with people kind of as a group. What will happen from that is you will begin to see uh, people kind of rising to the surface that you are clicking with. Maybe your personalities are very similar. Maybe you're interested in some of the same things. Maybe your families are at the same spot in life. Maybe they're at the exact opposite spots in life, and you're recognizing you could learn a lot from this person who's already been through all of it. And so when you're, when you're trying to figure that out and you're trying to start kind of filtering, where am I going to invest my time and energy? What's my focus going to be? I want you to think about a person in history who was phenomenal. Um, he was so kind and loving towards everyone but he knew he did not have enough energy to invest it equally with each person. He knew that just wasn't going to happen. So even though he was kind and he was very inclusive when he spoke to people, there were few people that he really invested in. That guy was Jesus. And so as you're thinking about, okay, I have this assignment from church. I love God. I love Pastor Brock. Cheryl's okay. So I'm going to try and focus. <laughs> I'm going to try and focus. And, and do what they're asking me to do because I believe Jesus wrote it. It's a great commandment. I'm going to try my best. So I'm moving from stranger. I'm learning people's names. I got the second house. I got the third house. I got the fourth house. Okay, now my map is full. I know everybody's names. I know what they do. I know a little bit about their families. I'm starting to hear from a few of them even deeper stuff, things they're concerned about, things that they'd like for me to pray for them about, things that they're um, really dreaming about. So you're starting to move towards relationship with maybe two or three of those households, you know that looks just like Jesus. He loved all of us, but he had 12 guys that he traveled with. Of those 12 guys, he had three of them that he was really tight with. Mm -hmm. So it kind of feels almost unchristian, doesn't it, to say, I'm not going to be able to invest deeply relationship-wise with eight different families. Um, it, it does feel Christ-like, though. <laughs> And so we got we to gotta kind of shake that loose because I can't be everything to everyone. If you've tried that, you already know how exhausting that is. There's no way that's going to work. So how do I move uh, two or three of those families from acquaintance over to relationship where now I would say we're friends. We've got things in common. Sometimes we even do stuff together. We watch a ball game together or we go ride bikes together or we go to Tanner's together, whatever, fill in the blank. Um, we're friends. There's deeper stuff here. You know, they've even allowed me uh, to talk with them a little bit about what God's done in my life because I earned that voice in their life um, because they're, now they're willing to listen because we're friends. Um, so recognizing I got to move from here to here. Now, I got to be pretty secure in myself because at some point here, somebody's going to be one of those last, that the question you just answered, somebody's going to be kind of like, Cheryl, I know we have same interests I know our families are even very similar in the spot we are in life, but I, I don't really have time for you. I'm not really interested in a, in a deep friendship, but I'm, I'm glad we're acquaintances. I'm glad you know my name. You know, they may not say it like that, but you can feel that in your own spirit. Can I be secure enough to say, that's not my person? I'm going to keep being kind to them. I'm, I'm going to try and include them in all of our block parties, and if I'm, if I'm taking Christmas cookies to everybody, I'm going to take some to them, so I'm going to be very kind to them. But but I can recognize that that's not going to work right now. And so I'm going to go look for the next person that it might work with. Because if I pray about it, the Holy Spirit's going to help me discern that. And he's also going to help move somebody towards me. Okay? And you've felt that, haven't you, before? Where you're kind of trying to be friends and it wasn't working out. So let's just decide that we're going to trust what God's asking us to do. And we're going to trust that he'll empower us to do it. And so if it's not working out, 
then I say, great, that's okay. I'm going to be kind to this person, love this person, but I'm going to look for where's my energy best invested? Where's the best kingdom value? I'm going to find that person to be a really good friend with. So watch your focus. Um, make sure that you're putting your time and energy in where the Lord can really um, use that and create a great relationship, a great friendship out of that. Knowing that in all of this, you know, we're talking a lot about Jesus today because we're at church. That's kind of what we do, okay? Uh, but knowing that all of this, it's not the next evangelism strategy, okay? We talked about that before, that my goal is to be a really good neighbor, to love them, because that's what Jesus asked me to do. Love your neighbor as yourself, period, okay? So the end result, my ultimate motivation, my ultimate goal, because of what Jesus has done in my life, would be for that person to find Jesus. But even if they don't, even if they don't, can I still be a friend to them? I think God's asking us to do that. Last word of this, this whole idea is uh, just future. Uh, what's, the, what's the future look like? Um, you know, unfortunately for the Hebrew people, they believed the 10 spies that gave the negative report. And if you follow that along in the Old Testament, those decisions changed everything for an entire generation. You know, they wandered in the wilderness one year for every day the spies were in the land. They went over there for 40 days, and then they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And all of them died except Caleb and Joshua. Uh, all of them. I mean, those, those decisions that they made not to be obedient to God changed everything for a whole generation. Could that be possible for us? Mm. I mean, could we, I mean, don't you feel the, this tension between the awkwardness of doing this, of because we're so out of the habit of it or pulling in our garage or whatever, you know, the awkwardness of going to somebody else's door and taking the initiative, we, we all kind of felt that. But I feel that in comparison to the recognition that these people have two choices in their life. Just like all of us, all of our neighbors are going to heaven or to hell. Yeah. Right? I mean, there's, there's no other option. I mean, we can let the culture influence us all we want to, but if we believe the Bible, the Bible is clear that everybody's making a decision for heaven or hell. And so what am I going to do about that? Am I going to be open and responsive uh, to that? Am I going to be a part? Because I realize that God can do anything, right? God can do anything. I mean, if he wants to save them, if he wants to save me, if he wants to work in somebody's life, God can do anything. But really, the question is not, do I believe that? The question is, what will God do if I don't do my part? You know, Jesus is not going to show up and walk the sidewalks in my neighborhood. He's not going to invite my neighbors to my house. He's not going to knock on their door. There are certain things that he's going to do only on the basis of if, if we take some action, that we take some initiative, some God-inspired uh, initiative in us that reach out and care uh, for those uh, that are around us. What, what's going to happen if I don't do it, if I don't obey him? So we're going to respond to that in a couple different ways. First, I want you to watch, um, watch a video. Uh, this video is... Uh, done by Sherry Sherwood. Uh, Sherry attends our nine o'clock service. She sings in the nine o'clock band. She is married to our district superintendent. It's, it's the oddest thing. My whole experience, I've never had the DS's wife like singing in the praise band <laughs> or, or all the, uh, you, know, you know what she's doing right now? She's teaching Sunday school down in, in a refuge, uh, working with, with our kids. That's why she's not in it. We videotaped this so she could teach at the same time. But I wanted you to hear her story about neighboring. This is Sherry Sherwood. The story of how I came to Christ starts with my neighbors. When I was a little girl, my parents worked on the campus of Indiana University, and we really didn't know very many people outside of campus life. One day, our neighbor Donna crossed the street and knocked on our door and invited our family to church. 
When my mother politely declined, she invited them over to play cards and get to know each other, and a friendship began to form. She invited them to church again, and they politely said no. Uh, after many attempts, Donna changed her invitation to request to take me and my sister to church with them. Uh, my mom made up a reason why that Sunday wouldn't work, or the next Sunday, or the next Sunday. And then my mom used the excuse, well, Sherry doesn't have any church shoes. And before the day was over, there was a knock on her door, and Donna stood there with a pair of church shoes. The next day, my sister and I went to church, and I wore my new shoes. This became our Sunday morning routine. Uh, every Sunday we would go to church with Ron and Donna. So on Easter Sunday we went to church like we always did and my parents sat in the empty living room knowing that they should really be the ones bringing us to church. So they changed clothes and they surprised us by walking into church that day. Soon after my parents accepted Christ as their savior and my dad left his doctoral program and accepted a call into full-time ministry. He pastored for 33 years. The friendship Ron and Donna offered changed our family forever, and I'm so thankful for that. I too accepted Christ as my Savior. From a young age, I loved God, and I would tell people that I wanted to be a pastor's wife when I grew up. Eventually, I made a full commitment to God, and my relationship with God continues to grow each day. I'm married to an incredible man, and I have three beautiful daughters who are pursuing God's call on their life. I grew up knowing that I had the potential to forever change someone's life, just like Ron and Donna forever changed mine. Donna was shy and nervous, but she overcame that for our benefit. The road we lived on was very busy and hard to cross, but she didn't use that as an excuse. Donna made a decision in her heart. She decided to cross the road. She decided to keep coming back. And she decided I was worth the cost of a new pair of shoes. Wow. Uh, in the first service, she was sitting right over there, and I went over and talked to her. And uh, Her dad uh, pastored for 33 years. Uh, he's still teaching Sunday school. Uh, he's been doing it for 40 years now. Um, what an what a influence. What a life. You hear what she said? The friendship of a neighbor changed our family forever. Wow. See, that's, you know, and I was thinking about, you know, just the, the impact that their family has had and uh, who she married. And I was not only thinking about the three kids that they have that are just incredible blessings, but you know what she does? She's, she's involved with living alternatives. Well, I was thinking about all the babies that have been saved from abortion because this woman found Christ. Can, can you measure what difference that family made on that? I met this lady that came across the, across the street. So you cannot figure out the difference that you're, you know, I don't know. Maybe God would have found a way to, to save Sherry and her family. Maybe. We don't know that, do we? We don't know how it would have worked out. But it made such a difference. You know, it's, it's, this, it's this whole idea of a chain reaction. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things we talk about around here uh, is occasionally is uh, there's some research that most of the time people don't accept Christ or accept an invitation the very first time. You, you heard her say her mother politely declined over and over mm -hmm. and over again. You know, many times it takes at least seven significant touches on a person's life before they would ultimately make a decision for Christ. So we decided we'd set up a little chain reaction over here. We got this chain reaction. So at the end over there is this idea of a person that comes to know Christ, that their life has changed um, because of Christ. But there's a lot of little pieces along the way that might happen for that to happen. Pretty awesome there. So we have this chain reaction. But I wonder uh, what would happen, Cheryl, if we took some of the pieces out of that. Absolutely. Well, and this lady named Donna that crossed the road to Sherry's place, <coughs> as, as Sherry's mom politely declined, no, no, thank you, no, thank you, over and over and over again. Did you hear that? Um, maybe at some point Donna said, well, I just, I just can't. I can't take another rejection. I've, I've asked them so many times and they won't come, so I guess I, it's just not going to work. So you hope it still worked. That's so great, isn't it? Somebody either took the place or there was enough momentum 
that it still happened because, as Newton told us, an object at rest will stay at rest unless acted upon by an outside force, right? And so um, when we uh, think through all the different opportunities we have, maybe we get nervous because fear that we talked about earlier just overwhelms us. So I get nervous and I, I'm just going to slip out. I just don't think I can cross the road. I don't think I can talk to that person in my cubicle about spiritual things. I don't think that I can befriend them because they have such a different lifestyle than I do. I just, I, it would change my values. I just can't, I just can't do it. Or um, they've told me no enough times that I'm, I'm just not going to do it. I, I can't take rejection any other time, any more like that. Um, I'm nervous about my story. You know, Sherry, just delivered that beautiful testimony. Uh, my guess is that's not the first time she worked on that. Right. My guess is she wrote it out and she condensed it and she tried to figure out, does this make sense to another person? Um, have you worked on your story like that? You know, there's times where I think, okay, I've got about a minute here because I'm in the checkout line at Walmart. So how am I going to encourage this person? Um, how am I going to be friendly to them? Sometimes with your neighbors, you're going to have an hour where you can stand out front and talk. Other times you're not going to have very much time. So have you worked on your story? Have you fine-tuned it? Uh, because sometimes my story's not ready, so I'm just going to, I'm not, I'm not going to take a chance because I don't think it's going to kind of flow correctly. Um, so uh, I hope this makes it. And so the end result of a person coming to know Christ or an entire family coming to know Christ uh, just got messed up because I got nervous and pulled out. Um, here's the thing. God's God. Did you know the God of the universe is exactly who he says he is? And so if he wants this to continue falling, he's going to make it happen. Guess who misses it? I do. Guess who misses out on the blessing or the chance uh, to be able to be a part of this? When I pull out, I miss out on that. And so we don't want you to miss out <laughs> By, by being too fearful to walk across the street or never having somebody say to you, the great commandment is on purpose. Jesus meant it when he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And so that's our job. <laughs> it's to say to you, don't be nervous. Don't be afraid. Work it out, figure it out, and then go and do it. Take some action, all right? Don't miss out on the chain reaction that God wants you to be a part of uh, because you're nervous. Now, I wanted you to notice, though, in Sherry's story, uh, the, the woman kept asking about church. They kept saying no. And so she said, would you like to come over and play cards and drink some sweet tea? So maybe the most spiritual thing we can do is find some cards and learn how to make sweet tea, right? Uh, now, Sherry's about my age, so all that was probably happened in the early 70s. 2018 is very different. Looks really different now. And so maybe we start with cards and sweet tea and we end with Jesus, okay? So make sure you're, you got a plan and you're willing to take some action. Somebody said during this series, uh, you guys are laying on pretty thick. Yes, we are. We want you to, I can only think about, would, would I be held accountable by, by Christ? Because I, I didn't. Because he planted me in a neighborhood or he planted me somewhere where I had an opportunity uh, to make a difference. You know, I'm, I'm so guilty of saying yes to just about everything. Uh, people get on me about that, but I just don't want to miss it. I just don't want to miss the opportunity that I have to, to be one of those pieces right there. You know, you, you know there's a song out called... Uh, Number 13, I think, is the name of it. And what it's describing <coughs> is that you can be block number two or block number seven or block number 13. You can be anywhere along the way there. The, the call is just, let's be obedient right. to him. We have a card like this. If, if you would pull this out, this is the block map on this side. And then there's some, some ways that we can respond at the bottom of that page today. Um, I've been asking you, who are, who are you praying for? Uh, who, what neighbor are you praying for? Are you making some effort uh, to create an opportunity to pray for somebody that God is laying on your heart? Uh, what action 
have you been taking? What action have you taken this week in regard to a neighbor? What is God wanting you to do? Have you been obedient to what he's spoken to you about already? Is he speaking to you this morning? We have a neighboring night uh, next week. Uh, and also on November the 4th, what we have said is that we've taken one of our Sunday nights that we value, but we are just, no, we're not having a service, not having any activities so that we can have an opportunity to reach out to some of our neighbors. So all of our staff, um, you know, not only our pastoral staff, but all of our full-time, I mean, all of our um, extended staff uh, has been working on that. We've been encouraging them. So we're trying to be a good example uh, to you. That's why Cheryl and I have gotten busy about what we're, what we're trying to do. And we want you uh, to do the same. What size, I mean, what God size dream do you have? Are you praying for the salvation of those in your neighborhood? Wouldn't it be a great prayer that all of my neighbors would know Christ and to go to heaven? Or wouldn't it be great to pray that we could have a, a, an event, maybe something, you know, I'm praying that at least a few people show up at our house uh, next weekend when we have this. I'm looking forward to that. Uh, we'll see what happens and what, what's going to happen with that. I'm looking forward to telling you about that. But having it's an opportunity to pray about some God-sized dreams by some very common people, just like us, that we can make a difference in our neighborhood. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to have a, a prayer together as, as we close this service. So uh, the way we're going to do this is uh, I'm, I'm going to walk to the center right there, and I'd like you to take your piece of paper and just come together. Come and join me. Come close enough that you can come with somebody else. So go ahead and stand up. If you can't move from where you are, you're welcome to stay right there. But if you can move, let's come together. Let's, let's unite together and ask God to help us fulfill what he's asking us to do, which he's asking us to simply be good neighbors, to love those neighbors as ourselves. If you're in the balcony, if you want to kind of gather together or walk down here, uh, if you want to come down, that would be great. Or if you want to just stand there with Kevin, he can... Uh, gather a little group together there. That would be all right, too, as well. Um, most of you are not coming close enough. you got to come closer. So, uh, I, know you have that, I know you have that little neighbor problem, but come on. Uh, come on close. This is, uh, these are such important things that we're talking about. I have a lot of desire to talk to you about like the future of this church and things that God is speaking to us about, about um, things that he wants us to do as a church. But I felt so clearly in my spirit that if we're not going across the street, how is he going to continue to bless us across the county or in some other county? or some other opportunities. So he's in the midst of this going on. I know he wants to use this church in even greater ways. Don't you? I mean, you, you know, we got to take the resources and the things that we have, but I know he wants to use you. I know he wants to influence maybe just one person. What if one person could go to heaven because you were a better neighbor? Man, wouldn't that be worthwhile? Wouldn't it be worth it just to be a, to befriend somebody that, that doesn't have any friends. Just like my, I'm so happy Julie's coming to my friend, my house. Julie's the one that said, I don't have any friends. Well, she does now. We're going we gonna to play catchphrase or something. I don't know. We gonna, we gonna, we, but she's going she's gonna to have a friend. Um, I'm happy about that. I don't know what that's going to happen. I don't know where that fits on the chain reaction, but let's do something. Uh, let's do what God asks us to do. Whatever he's challenging you to do, don't be afraid. Let's, let's come together and let's be what God asks us to be as a church. Yes, in this place, let's fulfill that. But let's go out of here and let's be the church out there where you live, where he has planted you. So reach out and touch somebody. Lord, um, this, is, this is really emotional for me, Lord. I'm feeling such a challenge to us as a congregation, to us as believers, because I, I really don't want to stand in front of you and, and have been a part of somebody's salvation 
somebody that would needed to be influenced and really didn't think about it, didn't pay enough attention. Lord, forgive me for those times that I missed that and help me to do better. Help all of us to do better. Help us to do something. Whatever you ask us to do, Lord. I'm not asking one person here to be heroic or to do something that's, that they're not capable of. All we're asking you to do, Lord, is to touch our minds, open the door, get, a, get us out there. Uh, I pray that whatever you are calling us to do, Lord, that you would help us as a church to be willing, to be obedient to you. Lord, there might be fears that we face, but help us not to speculate that those people don't want us. They don't want to hear from us. It's not true, Lord. They, they may have needs all around us, and we don't know which person needs to be loved, needs to be prayed for, needs to be supported, that we could be a part of what is happening uh, in their life for the kingdom of God. So, Lord, I pray that you would challenge us, that you would challenge us with a block map or with a, a desk chart or a cubicle <laughs> uh, awareness or whatever it is, Lord. Maybe it's um, some business that we're a part of and the people that might come walking in there or whoever it is, Lord. Help us to decide to be better neighbors. Help us to think about who is my neighbor and what does God want me to do? And so, Lord, we pray in advance that your kingdom would be changed, that people would come toward you, that that chain reaction would happen over and over again, that, Lord, we could be sort of like Ron and Donna. And because we went across the street, that somebody like Sherry Sherwood could come to know Christ and could be involved in ministry and have an opportunity. Thousands of people have been impacted by that one visit to go over to their house many times just to reach out to them. Thank you for that, Lord. I pray that you would just multiply that over and over and over again. Help us, Lord, to impact your kingdom by being a better neighbor. We love you, and we challenge us as we walk out of here to be everything that you've called us to be. We seek to obey your ways and to love our neighbors. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, Amen. 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 Let's go be great neighbors, all right? Thank you. <laughs>